It's time now for Pickin' and Puttin' with Clay Smith's quantitative anthology of stories behind the songs we know and love to hear and just how they evolve. Plus, a stroke of genius from Dr. Rick Zollinger, a golf nut who will present qualitative narratives from the pages of his own case studies in golf. It's Pickin' and Puttin'. Clay Smith, welcome to Picking and Putting. I'm here with my co-host, the brilliant Dr. Rick Zollinger. Hey, Dr. Z. Hey, man. We be picking and putting. And today I'm wearing my Ohio State hat because I'm going to talk about some father-son combos that have ties to the great Buckeye State. Oh, my goodness. Buckeye country. Buckeye, country. Buckeye Nation. Yeah, Buckeye Nation. Need all Buckeye Nation to follow Picking and putting. <laughs> please, please push subscribe, subscribe. ring the bell, subscribe, all that <laughs> stuff. Subscribe. No, all right, you're gonna do a father son. I'm thinking um, some famous parents too in the uh, world of music. There you and, go. Uh, gosh knows, man. If you turn the clock back, and well, I mean, if you think of American pop music. You can't go very far from thinking of the Beach Boys. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Wilson was the machine, the brilliance, the genius behind the Beach Boys. You know, he was so influenced by, uh, you know, the, the like the four freshmen. I mean, it's that, those kinds of harmonies that he embellished. Yeah. And he was so influenced by. Well, and, Letterman, uh, too. I mean, wasn't it Letterman? Is that right? Yeah, the Letterman. Sure. Heck, yeah. yeah. Well, you go ahead. I'll, I'll... Oh, they were great. They were great. Yeah. That whole thing. Of course, those were, you know, that's the late 50s. And then by mid-60s, um, I guess it was Brian with uh, Tony Asher. They uh, came up with the Project Pet Sounds. Yeah. And that album, prolific. I mean... You you go through, you look for testimonials on the Beach Boys from Paul McCartney to Elton John to you name it. They all say Pet Sounds was brilliant. And uh, that was like a 1966 release. Really? And, and so during that whole process, you know, of course, Brian Wilson was a complicated man. He, uh, <laughs> you, you think? To say the least. Yeah. I mean, this guy fought depression. He fought uh, drug addiction. But when the guy, when you sat him down at a piano, I mean, he was in his own outer space. Yeah. And from, from that, <clears throat> no, I mean, he, they would go into the studio, Rick, and they, he would go in with notes. And everyone would sit in front of a music stand and wait for him. They would have a blank sheet of paper in front of them. And he would sit there and sometimes he wouldn't say anything for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then he would walk over to each one of them and give them notes. And he's heard their part. In his head. Put, yeah, and he's put their part down. God. And he hears all of this separately and then cumulatively, and that was the brilliance of, of Brian Wilson. And the Pet Sounds Project 
they also recorded a, a, a song that, gosh, the most moving song I think that he did in terms of thought, process, product, production was Good Vibrations. Oh, yeah. Okay, you hear Good Vibrations and it just takes you, it's like its own little symphony because there's so many little integral parts. And <clears throat> that was supposed to be a part of the Pet Sounds project, but it didn't make the project because Brian had so many running thoughts. The ambiguity of it all complicated the master product. You know, you wonder, and this is just a little medical aside, you wonder how these folks are wired. Oh, why is why is he walking that thin line of creative brilliance and addiction insanity whatever i mean it's not insanity point. but why why is there why is that such and it's true of many of these people no question about he, it he was the prime example of a great good vibrations if you listen to it and now i'm going to tell you the the, the process was such that you know, normally you go into a recording session and you'll cut a song in a day, okay, or a couple of days anyway. But uh, the process on this thing was he had all these little pieces and they were separate and apart in his own mind. And so he would bring musicians in. They would go in like and do one part, one 10-second part, and they might work on that for a half a day. Then a few days go by, he'd bring some other musicians in and do another 10 or 20 second piece. So it was an amalgamation of this complicated brain. But who then the heck, in the who the heck produced all that and put them all together? Well, After Brian was a brilliant producer, but uh, he he his his idol and who he worked with greatly was Phil Spector. Oh, okay. Another complicated situation. Yeah. Right up and, there, Rob, Robin Williams. There we go. Yeah, and Tony Asher. And I mean, holy smoke, man. And then his and then his brothers, you know, of course, he would turn to his brother. He want ultimately he wanted their approval. But everybody had been pulled in to these various sessions over a period of time. And then all of a sudden he pulls them in and says, okay, I'm ready for you to hear it. And so out of it comes good vibrations. And man, that's, was yeah, he, was he number his, one? That was their first number one. And was he the record, brother? 66. And it was released after the Pet Sounds project. Was he the oldest brother? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, Gosh, you know, I mean, he had, uh, you talk about father sons. He had, uh, oh gosh, Wendy and Carrie, uh, the girls. Yeah. And by his first wife, Marilyn, who, who later on, one of their childhood friends was uh, China Phillips. So Wilson Phillips. Yeah, there you go. That was late 80s. By that time, Brian was so, it, it was known for being complicated. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. And he, and he really didn't have a whole lot of pull in the record industry at that time. And so 
but through their network of friends and whatnot, the girls were so motivated and with, uh, with the Phillips gal, they, uh, they came together and they, you know, they had a couple of hits and, uh, but he was not involved in that. And his first wife, Marilyn said, look, I'm going to tell you, clean up. I do not want you involved in their career whatsoever. So that was a stickling point there. And another contributor to the complicated life that he had, but, Long story short, Wilson Phillips had their fame. They broke up. That group broke up, and and the girls decided to do their own project and entitled it The Wilsons. And they re reached out to their dad, and their dad came in after all and wrote a couple of the songs and played on it. And, uh, again, kind of a confusing situation. Obviously, his brain worked a certain way. He heard a sound. He could produce that sound. He could hear your part, teach you your part, produce that part. And in the end, it had its own sound. Well, the, the record company thought, well, the Wilsons, they need their own sound. You know, they don't need this huge Brian Wilson influence. Yeah. And so as, as the twist of it all, record company trumped him and they took his parts off and they brought in other musicians and produced it with a new different sound for what they thought was you know appropriate for the time and so that contributed more to the depression and complications of brian wilson's life but incredibly the guy has just He's a music genius. Yeah. Well, and and you know the deal the deal with uh, with somebody of his ilk is as long as you as long as we live, anyways, and and yeah. the baby boomer generation. If you think sand and water, oh buddy, you think Beach Boys. That's right. And, and their sound, you know, when we're long gone, I think their sound is still timeless. Yeah. If you heard the beat, well, I was good. Good, good, good. Good vibration. I get good vibration when I, I like, normal. I like your vibration. I like your vibration. Well, <laughs> I was going to talk about some fathers and sons, and and really, I have three predominant. Uh, I have a fourth. Uh, you know, wearing this, Johnny Cook was uh, his dad mm -hmm. was involved with a tour. I think his name was Jim, and and did stuff in Akron. And That's right. I didn't know. I didn't know he was born in Toledo, but then he was born in. He was raised in California. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Riverside area. Yeah. And came back to Ohio uh, to school, as did his sister on a scholarship. Right. So, you know, he's even built a golf course there. So we all see him on TV. But I wanted to get more to uh, Jack and Charlie yeah. Nicholas. Uh, oh, my and God. I, that's, that's a, that's a father-son relationship that's very interesting to me. Because when I was a little boy, I was about 10, and I was really into golf. And I met his father, my next-door neighbor's house. He owned, like, five pharmacies called Nicholas yeah. Pharmacies in Upper yeah. Arlington, which was a suburb of, of uh, uh, Columbus. My wife and, from uh, there as well, you know, her brothers, her twin brothers worked at the one on uh, Lane Avenue. Lane Avenue, right, near the, right next to campus at Ohio State. Well, he was – Charlie was a great athlete. And here's the one you didn't know. He played football at Ohio State. 
he played for the Portsmouth uh, Spartans. Got to be kidding. Later, semi-pro, who later became the Detroit Lions. So he was – What? If you look back at pictures of him, he looked like his son. He was oh, – You man, know, he man. was – I don't know Definitely. what position he played, but I'll bet it was line. Yeah. And, um, so he went on and mm. – uh, he joined Scioto Country Club, which was an old Ross course from the 20s in 1950. And he joined there because he had to give up all his other sports. So he had a volleyball injury. So he decided to take up golf. Seriously. And so that's where Jack got his introduction to golf was at Scioto. And interestingly enough, as father-son relationships go, he was, he was a, uh, he was his mentor and his coach. Yeah. And then through that, he picked up Jack Grout, who was a Texan who, who was there as a, as a pro. And he was his lifelong coach after long after his father relationship. But, uh, you know, there were little tidbits that you never knew. Jack had survived a case polio at 13. And uh, he broke 70 at Scioto when he was 10. Good grief. He he was a plus three. People, you have no idea. If you never had the pleasure of playing Scioto Country Club, let me tell you, it's one of the great tracks. Oh, absolutely one of my favorites in Columbus. Oh, my God. He he won 27 events between the ages of 10 and 17. You know, we all know his history, but it's amazing. That's that prowess. But what I was getting at, too, from the father part is the athletic prowess was there. And uh, it's an amazing relationship. And they were best friends. Charlie and uh, Jack, wow. till he died, uh, he died young. Yeah. He died at 56 of pancreatic cancer. No way. His father, I think in 71, I had it written down somewhere, but that's, oh, that's in the, but to bring us up to a modern day, yeah, baby. Story, we've oh. got, we've got Justin Thomas. Yeah. Gosh. And Justin Thomas, it's, that one is, is a, a hierarchy and a heritage of the PGA. That kid can play golf. Oh, but think of how he was raised. His dad to this day is his coach. But he was raised – reminds you of Daniel Berger and his dad, who was a tennis player. Yeah. But the deal with – that's another story. There's another okay. – but uh, uh, Justin's grandfather was the head professional in Zanesville, Ohio, which is about 30 miles east oh, of Columbia. Gosh, yeah. yeah. Zanesville Country Club. The home of the Y Bridge. Yes. Zanesville, Ohio. So, Zane Bray. Yeah. So his dad was, <laughs> his dad was yeah. raised there. Yeah. His, his, his grandfather, Paul, was a pro. Then his dad, Mike, became a pro and moved to a, a course called Harmony Landing in Goshen, Kentucky, which I, yeah. I think is right outside Louisville. Near Louisville. 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 If you're from Louisville, it's Louisville. You're from Somewhere else. Uh, Louisville? No, I don't know. So. Louisville. <laughs> but, like Nolans. So yeah. he, um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> so he, uh, he um, uh, was born and raised from the, from the womb to be a, a golfer. That's all uh, he knew. Yes. And he would play with his father and his grandfather every time they came to down. He, he knew about his grandfather would come down from Columbus. And anyways, the story with his dad, Mike, was yeah. he taught him from the yeah. time he could go. He gave him a cutoff. Think of this, because I got one of these. Oh, boy. He gave him a cutoff McGregor two-wood. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
I think I got one here somewhere. I know you do, McGregor Woods. Oh, I did. I had one with the keyhole insert. <laughs> yeah. 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 They, I mean, they were beautiful woods. Well, oh, anyways, that's, that's how he was raised. And his dad, they said, well, how are you so good a teacher for Justin? And he said, yeah. well, I never, I never was pushy. I never took a lesson over 10 minutes. I would give him a little instruction and then go off about my way because I had lessons to give and make a living. And oh, I was okay. So, so that was like dropping a seed and yeah. letting it grow. <laughs> and then when, when Justin would go play a tournament, this is what was cool too. When he was a little kid, like, and we all remember these, these days, he would play at a tournament, and as soon as he played, he would call his dad and get home with his mother as fast as he could because he played nine holes before dark. Every time he played a tournament, he never played with his dad. Yeah. So it was, I was addicted to golf. <laughs> yeah. and then and then to think you know he won his no PGA. wonder he's so good well he won his pga right here in in north carolina at, at uh Quail well, Holland. yeah which, which you and i both know very well yeah and, I, uh, yes we do you couldn't have had a you couldn't have had a better a better he went he went played college golf at alabama i wonder what the draw was yeah you know I, I didn't find that that would be interesting to know yeah he's he's an alabama guy he, he's yeah I, maybe he didn't want to go to ohio state or something like that i yeah. don't know he's got his ohio ties and last of all let me bring oh. up earl because we all know earl now earl oh, doesn't have any ohio ties oh my for all of earl's history the earl of tiger <laughs> here, there's an interesting tie between jack jack and jack grout and yeah. earl because Earl did the same thing. He raised Tiger to be this great professional golfer. Gosh. Uh, but he he was willing to hand him off to Butch Harmon at 18. Okay. And, and uh, he, he set him up. He, he moved back. He That part was interesting. Yeah. But he also, he was a great athlete. And he played college-level baseball at Kansas State. He was a letterman at Kansas State. He's from Manhattan, Kansas is where he's from. Oh, I didn't know that. My goodness. And he, uh, you know, he's retired lieutenant colonel from uh, Vietnam War and stuff. And he was, he broke the color barrier in 1951 for the Big Eight Conference in baseball. I'll be darned. Earl. Wow. But here's another one you didn't know. Or maybe yeah. you did. Tiger's, uh, Tiger's name, Tiger, came from a friend of his who was a, a Vietnam military officer named Tiger Fong. Oh, oh, really? It, it was Earl's buddy that no he got the name from. Yeah, and and you know, Cotillo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a second wife. Um, yeah, I had no clue. No clue. But but Earl's raising of Tiger, where it was fun, was that he, if you really look into it, because of his military background, a marine discipline. He yes, he yeah. taught him discipline, and he taught him um, the mental game. Definitely. It wasn't the physical so much. It was this. Tiger's, yeah. Tiger has that. And I don't know about Jack. I don't know where that came from for him. Um, it's not his, – his mind didn't, doesn't work quite the way as Tiger um, in that respect. Um, we call that God-given talent. <laughs> but the father-son the father relationships of all these fellas is, is always unique. But one of the things I, I'll lastly say is that it was interesting to me that uh, all these great – I, I, let me put it this way. 
genetics does have an effect on talent passed down. I mean, look at your father, look sure. at you with music. Sure. Um, you know, my dads were surgeons. You, God, I mean, born sure. surgeons. It, it, these guys were all great athletes, and their kids got that from them. Um, and I think it doesn't fall far from the tree, baby. No, it's just like the uh, uh, the Haas kids. Oh yeah, for father. sure. There's another. Oh there's another no father. About it. Yeah. So oh, yeah, he doesn't have any ties here. He's a. He's hey a, man, sound to me like good, 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 good vibrations. vibrations. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Thought for the day. Yeah, I got a quote for the day. Here it is. A wise physician said, the best medicine for humans is love. Someone asked, what if it doesn't work? He smiled and he answered, increase the dose. There you go. Take that to the bank with some good, good vibrations. Good, good, good vibrations. Hey, we each week, picking and putting. Tune in. Button. New episodes released every Monday. And you make Even it Sunday easy. night, I think. Subscribe <laughs> and hit the bell. Yeah, hit the bell. Follow. Love you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Bye.